Hi there, I'm Bob Pittman, Chairman and CEO of iHeartMedia. I'm excited to announce a new season of my podcast, Math & Magic, Stories from the Frontiers of Marketing. Our guests this season show us big risk can yield big rewards, like Rob Riley, the creative head of one of the world's leading advertising firms. I try to create environments where anybody can say anything without any judgment. Listen to a brand new season of Math & Magic on our very own iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. Hi, this is Kurt Woodsmith. You remember me from such TV comedies as That 70s Show and That 90s Show on Netflix. I'll never forget the words that my grandfather said just before he kicked the bucket. He said, watch how far I can kick this bucket. People ask me where I get my dad jokes from. I tell them to listen to the Daily Dad Jokes podcast. Listen to Daily Dad Jokes every day on the iHeartRadio app. Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The opinions expressed in the following podcast are for general informational purposes only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual or on any specific security or investment product. It is only intended to provide education and entertainment about the financial industry and the stock market. Enjoy. On this episode of Pennies Going In Raw, we interview the founder and co-founder with Mark Cuban at NFT, Jason Falovich. We also talk about when to add more of a stock that's dipping by using confirmation of a reversal. You find out life's this game of pennies. Oh, you guys know we only have a 40% runner. Hello, 40% is a killing. We've been compliant for too long. It's time we go to war. I don't have a Roth. You know so much about the market that his brain doesn't have enough room for grammar. Hey, who told me about Idex? It's going up a shit ton now. We're up 4%, baby. No way. Four fucking percent. You asked the exact same question with two words different. <laughs> it's like, fuck, man, I just got dick whipped for like 20%, and now that fucker's up like 50. I bet Warren Buffett never did that. I'm just making this voice memo to call out unusual whales to a fight. The pennies we need are everywhere around us. Pennies. 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 Going in raw. Featuring Dan. Deity it dips. And Hugh Honey. Produced by Vinny. And Christian. Let's, Let's go, go, baby. Welcome back to another episode of Pennies Going In Raw. Today is Sunday, October the 10th, and... We're recording this on Thursday as uh, Hugh's got to make his way down to Orlando. I'm sure I hope everyone had fun with uh, at the Orlando conference. By the time you guys are listening, you'll probably be heading back. But with that being said, I mean, we, we talked about the big dip we saw on Monday with inflation. And Thursday, I mean, spies up a percent and a half. 1.5% is up around $6 uh, as we record this around 11 Eastern time. But I mean... It's what we just talked about on Wednesday. We were saying, you know, we're seeing these 1% moves, these gigantic moves for a $440 stock, you know? No, no. I mean, you're right on par. It's the range is killer right now because the chop is is, uh, with that 1% move, stuff will move up 2%. But then on that uh, 1% drawdown, things will be down like 4%. But I think it's interesting because we're coming up to like kind of this key level here at 445 um, but SPY is really ripped inside the past two days off that 428 low. I mean, it's ripped like 20 points. So 
I, I don't know. It's it's just interesting because with Trump, I felt like we always expected him to come out and say, you know, the economy is the best it's ever been. Uh, buy the like basically buy the dip. Like that's essentially what he would say uh, anytime that the market was on a dip. So now that we've broken that ascending triangle, and now we're like coming back up to those highs, it's like. Are we going to make a new high or are we just going to like, I think some of the fear when I talk to some of the older, you know, boomer traders, if you will, is that they're, they're worried that we just go into a range for the next like three years, like, like a six or 8% range. And that's what they're worried about. So I don't know. I'm really excited for this. Like like the last 16 months has been so monumental and so historical in so many ways, but specifically to the stock market. I mean, there's so many case studies to to be talked about. I actually thought about this after we recorded Wednesday's episode. There was that day where the market was down like two, three percent or something, and, and you thought like, okay, the halt down has to do I think seven point five percent in one day for the first tier, uh, and then it halts for fifteen minutes. I don't think since. March has the market dropped down 7.5% consecutively ever like even like in a in a month and in any amount of time it's just been completely bull 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 it's never had a 7% pullback has it since last March oh no no i mean we had um we had the election dip but uh but i don't think that was if it was 7% it was like right on 7% but no yeah because i mean 7% is like $30 if it's 440 you yeah know? yeah no exactly i mean i'm even looking at, at what i thought were like was a bigger dip back in uh, july and that was only 3% <laughs> so it's crazy to think i I'll, I'll check real quick but um but no the october dip was uh so in total in total yeah so it was about 8% but that was over a month so that's really not, you know, we had bounces back here and there. Uh, so it really didn't feel like that. But yeah, wow. I mean, <laughs> and then the second that the election's over, we were at like all time highs within like a week, which is just insane. But no, you're right. I mean, it's it's actually insane when you look at the chart. I mean, we could regain the ascending triangle here. I mean, we did gap up and now we're kind of moving and we're about to test like the 50 day moving average as a resistance point. Now, if we get over that 50, which is also happens to be that huge support that everybody was buying on on the ascending triangle. So there's two. I mean, for me, the 50 day moving average was always important. But right now it's critical because if we break through that 50 day and that becomes support again, I mean, we're right back inside the ascending triangle. You know, like all we need is a break of all time highs and it's like nothing happened. It's like we took a little like a little stop at the rest stop, you know, and then it continued on our way. Or maybe there's a world where that 50 day moving average now instead of big support becomes big resistance. And now we start heading back towards that like 420, 430 mark. Um, I mean, I'm all here for it. Uh, I, I, I really, I think, I, I think, I think we'd be idiots to to guess what spy does, but if I was a betting man with no edge, I'd probably say that we probably get through the fifty day moving average. And just because I always think that the market's rigged to the upside, so but I don't know. I, I'm I'm super excited to see what it does because the fifty day moving average was also last week where where we had where it closed below that and gapped down. So you know we're we're within we're within about a. 1%, 1.5% away from the 50-day moving average. So I'm, I'm excited. 
I feel like we're watching sports. <laughs> uh, some of us do. Um, well, <laughs> there's one interesting little tidbit. We talked about Wish last week. We might have actually somehow called the bottom. We did. Uh, in a segment about the Wish first. So it was around 470. Uh, we were around 505 to 510-ish right now. If we can stay above five, that sure would be nice for the little Wish gang. So if Wish could reverse, blah, 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 blah. But, you know, back to the whole, we only add more when it's confirming a reversal this thing has looked like oh finally wishes reverse it's had a positive green day five percent before but the the reversal never came you like to explain how you did it like how would you know when to add more is there a certain break in the chart you know it, it's crazy to think about that just last week i was saying you know if it can re-break 650 i'll start adding more well it broke the downside and hit 470 so i was like oh well no 650 is like 50 percent up from where it is right now so yeah yeah no exactly and and so the thing that i, I want to make clear here is that my technical analysis is not going to be your technical analysis and vice versa so i i there's never one perfect way to do anything inside the stock market like there's there's just not i think the biggest thing is that you have to find what works for you okay so i like to keep things personally super simple uh you know ascending triangle descending triangle hey fam i'm simone boyce i'm danielle robay and we're the hosts of the bright side a daily podcast from hello sunshine that's guaranteed to light up your day Every weekday, we bring you conversations with the culture makers who inspire us. Like a recent episode with Hollywood royalty Regina and Raina King. We talked about the creative power of women's relationships. I feel like, thank God for women. Like, especially when it comes to Black women, the way we lean on our mothers, our grandmothers, our sisters, our friends. We're just each other's pulse. I mean... It's molecular, you know? Listen to The Bright Side from Hello Sunshine on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty, Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. And that's, uh, that's pretty much how, how I keep my charts in line. Now, Wish is obviously on a massive <laughs> descending triangle. I mean, we could take it all the way back, but the chart that I like to use the 20 day, one hour. So if you see that any time that it tests like any kind of upper band, I mean, it, it I mean, it gets smoked and it just makes a, it makes a lower low. So I think that that's really important to understand is, is the difference between higher highs and lower lows. Obviously you, you want, my favorite setups are the stocks that do, you know, it's like stair stepping up. Okay, they come up, make a new high, come back down, but not all the way back down, make a new high, blah, 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 etc. Uh, a really good chart, if you guys have a chart up, is any. If you look at any on the 180 day, it is a textbook stair step, you know, beautiful, higher high, higher high, and then you see that big explosion. I mean, literally, 
it broke it was on a massive downtrend from the fives from February and it was on a big downtrend for the next three and a half months all the way down to 120. And then it had that break of the tri of the uh, descending wedge. And from there, I mean, it hit $12 within another three months. And the, the key part to this that I'm trying to explain is that <clears throat> if you had used, I don't want to say correct technical analysis, but you had set previous support as your stop loss and you know you had really watched it carefully you probably would have never been stopped out now you would have traded around the core but it's a textbook come up make a new high come back down create support make a new high come back create support i mean it, it's beautiful textbook now on wish same thing okay it now it did it's trying to break out of this downtrend but for me it's still super low volume. So what I would like to see it do is that I would like to see it really break over like 550 with volume. Now, where does volume come from? Not sure because I don't know the catalyst on it right now, but let's just say SPY starts to break out like in a, towards all-time highs. Wish probably gets volume. Let's just say that uh, all around retail stocks you know, that have been hit hard, if the entire sector starts to run, wish gets volume. And those are the, my favorite setups are the ones where huge descending triangle and a break to the upside with volume, because those are the ones that can have not only one move to the upside, but they can have one move to the upside where shorts are trapped, shorts double down. And then you get that secondary move where it's like, okay, we can go 550, 759, within very quickly because shorts have just been so complacent and why wouldn't they that every time that wish has gone has uh, tried to break out it's gotten it's gotten fucked it's gotten uh smoked on it so i think that one of the biggest things is that you need to figure out support and resistance and really that just comes from charting and that just comes from you know, just doing it over and over again and seeing, okay, this doesn't really work on this time frame. Like for me, I like the five day, five minute on a shorter time frame. I also like the 180 day, four hours. I also like the one day, one, uh, the one day, one year. So you got to find what works for you. And th that's what I found works for me the best and where I can draw really clear support lines like BCTX. You guys know that I've been swinging BCTX for a while. Uh, I trade around the core. And trade around the core, but now this seven, which was support last time, looks like it's holding. Now, if seven holds on support and it starts to curl back up and it breaks over, like let's call it eight dollars again, then I'll really scale into my position. Right now, I probably have like a 60% full position. I'll buy the rest right on that scale because now I get now I'm getting confirmation. Now I am having some conviction with it because of the DD that I have on it. It's, it's got like 109 million market cap. Uh, so at seven dollars, seven dollars and fifteen cents, I feel like it's a steal and a hundred nine million dollar market cap. So any good news? Yeah, you know, I mean, Jivo is like a three billion dollar company. It's it blows my mind. But my point is that held support right now. It's starting to try and curl back up. If it breaks out over that range, that's when I'm going to add. And then that's where I feel that that's where my edge comes in a lot. It, a lot of the times on swing plays, because what ends up happening is that people see red and they instantly just add 
and they add and they add. And then that's when you get into a situation where you add wish at nine, you add wish at seven, you add wish at six. And now you have 120% of your account in with like a, with like a average of like $7. And now we're sitting at 460 and you're like, you know, you're, you're really upset and you're overall just sad about it. So Take a starter. The other thing is that people get way too excited about starters. Your starter should be, uh, my rule of thumb is that take like 1% of your account as your starter. Okay. If it confirms your thesis, great, scale in. If not, fine. You had your 1% starter at $9 per share and you haven't added a single share because it hasn't given uh, any kind of confirmation that it's going to reverse to the upside. But the second that it does, that's when you can hit it with like 5% of your account. Now, your average price is going to be, let's say you hit it at like 550, your average price is going to be like 570 because you're adding five times the amount of shares at a significantly lower price. So it's really like you're just buying into it right then and there. And that takes away the headaches and that takes away all the nonsense. So yeah, are you going to are you going to nail the bottom? No. No, you're not. Are you going to have the best average all the time? No, you're not. Are there going to be false breakouts? Yes, but it's about creating edge and when you can create edge and wait for this confirmation, that's when something like wish where everybody gets, you know, completely fooked on, that's where you can now turn that into a fantastic trade where you get two, three points. So where everyone else is just breaking even, you're up like 40%. You done? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and uh, sorry, that was long-winded. No, nah, it was good. Uh, I think another thing that is cool with ones like Wish and uh, one just a nice little strategy for a lot of these that come with uh, little Wall Street bets territory is uh, you can really get some farther out options maybe january february of some ridiculously high price like in right now 15 is a ridiculously high price where it was pretty normal a month and a half ago wait for wall street bets to eventually run these up because you know they will even if it's for a day you look at clove uwmc run 300 percent, and these options can just be low risk you know far out i have like some like january and february like 15 17 dollars for like but is like 16 cents or something. So, you know, yeah, just, uh, and, and that could give you some solace and and maybe making back some of those losses. At least it's doing it for me. So, uh, well, I think, uh, that should be enough to, um, hold you guys over and for our NFT gang, Jason Falovich. And yeah, he co-founded NFT with Mark Cuban. He's also sitting with Drake's cousin, uh, while he records that. And as a Drake stand, that was pretty cool to me. Um, so I uh, hope you guys enjoy that. <clears throat> Talks a lot about NFTs, cryptos, why Mark Cuban's going all in and athletes and shit that are getting in. So hope you all enjoy and, uh, we'll see you next time. He also roasts Uzi too. That's fine. Yeah. He doesn't like little Uzi's, uh, uh, NFT drop, but before we drop too many spoilers, <laughs> um, you guys enjoy and have a good weekend. Today we have on Jason Falovich, and we wanted someone to talk about NFTs, so we went to Instagram, typed in "add NFT," and this was who we found. Uh, how are you doing today? I'm great, man. Busy with NFTs. How are you guys doing? Oh, awesome. I got a little smoke today in the market. That's all right. It's normal Tuesday. The NFT yeah. game or crypto? Uh, uh, stocks. Uh, yeah. 
oh, stocks. Okay. I don't, I just honestly don't fuck with anything but crypto. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, if you stay in your lane, you know how to make money. <laughs> yeah. That's all cares, that matters. Right? Yeah. That's yeah. That's so, I mean, I, I guess people that were super involved in crypto automatically gravitated towards NFTs. How did you, is that how you got involved with them as well? You know what? I actually didn't come from the crypto game at all. I come from the gambling space. Well, before that, I come from the boxing space. I, actually, I, I used to manage a uh, former five-time heavyweight champion, Evander Holyfield. Like I managed, I managed his business career, and I was running one of the Muhammad Ali's foundations. Um, and then from there, I was recruited to be the president of a digital television network. And then from there, I decided I'm going to go and do my own thing. Uh, myself, one of my best friends, Michael Bisping, who's a former UFC champ of the world. One of my other best buddies, Ryan Silverstein. Uh, Ryan wow, he's here with me. <laughs> so, uh, Roy Hibbert, a former NBA player. Um, and then my business partner, Aaron Nebraskin. So we got into that play line, which is the largest sports, sports rock, blah, lottery in the world right now. During the pandemic, all of our revenue went to zero in one day when sports were gone. And we were buying a lot of companies that have large social followings, NFT being, uh, sorry, NBA memes being one of them. We ended up selling that half that company to Mark Cuban. And uh, we started buying more platforms over the last two years or so. Um, did very well there. And about, I want to say nine months ago, Mark's like, we're going all in on NFT. I'm like, what the fuck is NFT? Like, I didn't even own crypto. Like, I never even made a purchase in crypto because I always felt like I was too late to get in, even though now I realize how early I am. But back then, from the outside looking in, it just feels like that, you know, people got into Bitcoin at 100 bucks. And why am I buying at 20,000? I wish I did, <laughs> but you know what I mean? Um, and then I remember that one of the Guys on Mark's team's like, you know, the last time Mark said he's going all in on something, he put a billion dollars into Amazon. So I figured he knows what he's talking about a little more than I do and managed to get my hands on uh, at NFT on Instagram. And the rest is history. How uh, closely do you work with Mark Cuban now? I mean, I know you said, I think you, what, sold half of it to him? Uh, or do y'all work together closely now? Or how's that? Yeah, well, we, we created a joint venture. Mark uh, owns 50% and our company Playline Sports Entertainment owns the other 50%. So we're equally partners. We funded the company uh, equally and, you know, we've just been aggressively making acquisitions. Uh, but yeah, I mean, sometimes it's every day, sometimes it's once a week, um, sometimes it's once a month, right? It's whenever we need to do business together. But typically, you know, once once a week, roughly once or twice, you know, during the praise of nft it was like multiple times a day but mark's so busy man we do our thing yeah. he does this thing if we you know if we need him he knows you know where to find him um and we share dms a lot but yeah other than that he's, he's just a good dude he's a really good dude yeah so there's like so many parts about the nfts when it comes to the community the fact that it's all blockchain based and and then you have the art behind it over the course of the past month or so that you've really dove into it and decide like you are going all in on this. I wouldn't say a month, nine months. Nine months, okay. That you've gone like all in on this where, it, what have you found that you really like about this that's different than any other projects? The community. It's the craziest, greatest community. People are so passionate. 
They're so loyal to their community as an NFT. They don't, it's like when these celebrities were coming in with all these cash grab games, they don't support it. Like they're going to, they, they stick together. Um, and it's just, a, it's really about the community. And I, I love being part of that community. And, you know, I, I want to believe I helped grew it given that I started at NFT with Mark um, and my partner, Aaron. But I would, yeah, community is quite, is probably the most exciting part. It's just a wild game. It's like the wild, wild west out there right now. Yeah, it seems like a more kind, tame crypto community. Uh, not as culty. No, that's for sure. They, it's, it's definitely a different demo, I'd say. Uh, Dan and I were at a college recently, and we were asked if we could explain NFT in two sentences. And we had no answer. <laughs> Well, like we we just we literally sat there and like looked at each other, made a joke. I think uh, so. Uh, pictures. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So if you could, uh, can you explain NFTs in two sentences? I can give it to you in one word, three words, maybe one sentence. It's basically like a digital letter of authenticity. So if you have a card, like a baseball card, you got to send that shit out, get it authenticated. Um, there's a whole process when you upload your NFT to the blockchain, it's yours. No one can question it because the beauty of the blockchain crypto, everything's decentralized. So everyone can see exactly what everyone has in their wallet if they have their um, crypto address, right? So the beauty of NFT is if, if it is there and it's minted, there's no question. It's impossible to tell, to, to for me to say that that's not the authentic piece of art or whatever you're trying to to sell the baseball card so i i think to put it simply it's a digital letter of authenticity i got two words got that two makes words? sense i got my buddy ryan silverstein here drake's cousin he wants to say something that i got two words what the future What's the future the future well okay i i think that kind of is a good transition into why do you think this is the future i mean is it just because hey the next blockchain thing is like hype off of crypto what makes these pictures the the future i'll tell you why so when i look at nft i don't look at digital art that's kind of the hot theme right now um however the reason why nfts i i think are so exciting is the utility of it, the ex, like the expansion of it. I mean, look at Toy Lanes right now. He's making millions and millions of dollars on his because he's releasing his own music and connecting directly with his fans. I'm surprised more musicians aren't doing it right now. Yeah, yeah, no, we did a Rich to Kids last week, sold out. Um, you know, we have some pretty exciting ones. Like we're doing Little Baby and a lot more. I can't really tell, but we only fuck with the A-listers because you know we kind of. Or we're NFT, right? We have to maintain that standard. You're sitting, you're sitting with Drake's cousin right now. You got to stick with A-listers. <laughs> yeah, I mean, why not? But um, yeah, so so basically you're asking why is NFT so exciting? Yeah, like what, why why should we buy now instead of maybe waiting okay. for it to die down? Like what, in 10 years? Yeah, so we're referring to um, the digital art perspective of it. The reason why I think it's so valuable is like I got three kids, twins who are two, a baby who's three months. And when my kid buys a house, he's not going to be putting art on his wall. He's going to have a a, a, a a screen on his wall, kind of indented in the wall. And he's going to show his NFTs on there. The world is digital. Everything's going digital. Crypto's digital. 
It's the pattern of life. Everything goes in that direction. My kids will never buy a piece of physical art. I don't think so. I believe that NFT is their way of showing off what they got. But wouldn't that exclusivity of like, I I would understand in like a virtual world, only one person could have like, let's say the top shot of the the dunk or the alley-oop from Dwayne Wade to LeBron. One person, let's say, paid $6 million for it 2020 when we're all in VR 20 years from now. They're the only ones. But what's keeping me from having that on my wall? I mean, what would you say to the it's just a JPG people? I would say that they're going to miss the boat. This is our dot com. I'm 36. I don't know how old you guys are. Definitely younger than me. I was too young to to capitalize on the dot com boom. This is our generation. I wouldn't say mine, more you guys and younger. This is their dot com boom. For example, when I do business with a 17, 18, 19 year old kid, 20 year old kid on social media, they they don't have bank accounts. A lot of them don't have it. If I don't do a transaction in crypto, we're not doing a deal. And that's the next evolution of people. That's why Bitcoin's gonna hit the fucking moon. Ethereum's gonna hit the fucking moon. I think Bitcoin's the strongest, but um just given the scarcity. And the fact that, you know, you can't really compete with Bitcoin. You can compete with Ethereum like Cardano or other or Solana or other um, other cool coins. But I, I feel like I'm so deep in the game right now. I just know more than everyone else on where that future holds. And I mean, even like think about voting, the next presiden- presidential voting um, campaign ballots. If those are NFTs, there's no question. There's no fudging that shit. If, you know, you can't say, oh, I had X amount of votes, but no, they're all on the fucking blockchain. Yeah, I think blockchain for voting is definitely something that makes a whole lot of sense. I have I have friends who are big actors and they're going to NFT their movies because they're going to get 100% of the revenue. And in reality, when someone goes to see a Brad Pitt movie, they're going for Brad Pitt, right? Not the production company or the executive producer, maybe the director here and there. But in reality, Brad Pitt gets a great handsome $20 million, I'm sure. But the production company is making hundreds of millions on his back, right? So I think it's giving people an opportunity to take back the control of their brand and make all the money. You know, why is someone like Troy Lane's going to give 80% or 90% to his label because they're giving him a million dollars in advance and they'll make tens of millions on his back, right? So I think it's really going to disrupt the music and movie business at the very least. Um, But I think this application can work with, I, I think it could change the world. So question on the NFT process, and correct me if I'm wrong, but you can pretty much create as many as many different NFTs as you want, because it's basically like you take uh, arm one or arm two, and then it's like randomized and generated by a computer, correct? Like that's pretty, and then and then based on those numbers comes like the rarity. Is that pretty much how, how like if I were creating like the project? project? Yeah, I think that's just like the punks and stuff, right? Yeah, so those are called PFP projects, avatars, like profiles. Okay. Usually they're a collection of 10,000. And each of them have uh, different traits. And the rare traits you have is what makes your NFT more expensive, right? Like anything, it's scarcity. Like a Mickey Mantle baseball card sold for $4.5 million. I think it was $4.5 in January. 
And actually, they came to us to NFT the card for them because the fact that you maintain a percentage of that sale in perpetuity forever. So let's just say the dude bought the Mickey Mantle for $4.5 million and he sells it to John for $5 million. John's now that's John's. John can do whatever the fuck he wants with it. If this dude put it on an NFT or listed as an NFT and minted it for $5 million, he can maintain 5 or 10% of that forever. So if the next buy that bu- guys that buy in buy it for a million plus, he's getting 5, 10%. It's called 10% for argument's sake, right? He's making 100K. And then if that continues to grow in value and the guy who bought it for a million sells it for 10 million, well, that dude who bought Originally, the physical car for 4.5 million is now making 10% off the next purchase, which is a million dollars, and so on, etc. That's a game changer. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's basically like a cash flow system, if you will. I mean, as long as the market's there, it could, it could just be a constant cash flow. Right. But it's very volatile. That's yeah. the scary thing about what we're doing. Yeah. Everything depends on something else. You know, it's yeah. Like I think control. you have like NFT, the price of NFTs could tank, but and also the ethereum could tank exactly that changes the game you have to consider both of it and and going back to what you're talking about with the pfps why do you think like the crypto punks became the richard mills of the um nft world it's really about whose hands they're in you know gary v yeah yeah like when i own one on the co-founder nft like i i moved the floor it's just about influential people in the game owning them and creating the hype just like crypto right it's all hype like you know what happened yesterday i don't know brazil called bitcoin a announced that bitcoin will be a legal tender bitcoin went up china blocked bitcoin bitcoin went down that's uncontrollable stuff so it's definitely there's it's very volatile but your upside it really is unlimited and it's just like with crypto punks it just was something that was so basic and the the hype of crypto punk sold for 100k and then like someone's like wow that's why i'm gonna get one for 120k now they're selling for six million it's hype man like anything else in life i mean that's what really sparked my interest because i saw the price of those go 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 and then but i mean my first introduction to them i think along with a lot of other people was around seven months ago with the top shot thing yeah uh, which one in particular caught you and i guess mark cuban's interest as well to make you guys so into this so i would say you know top shot came but mark was really pioneering this space mark was one of the original you know info i don't, I don't know how you want to call him influencer mm. billionaire you know team owner he's got everything mogul mogul, yeah but he was the one that really i find that he's almost responsible for the growth of nft he was out there doing so much media so much press before anybody was he saw the opportunity you know investing in OpenSea and all these other platforms he just has a vision man and 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 i i honestly believe that he deserves a you know a portion of the credit for making NFT what they are today. There's rumors out there that do you guys have a plan or or an idea or any comments on if let's say governments try to centralize and try to create like their own kind of cryptocurrency and they try and like change the direction of where you know NFTs cryptocurrency is going? Mm-hmm. They can't. 
that's what that's what makes crypto so beautiful it's decentralized no one controls it a government can't take it over the government's always going to want to own everything you do especially your money and they can't now that's why there's so much co- a constant battles for from like physical cash to you know digital currency like we're losing money with cash right now it's deflate like the inflation is just it's just too many too much money is being printed and nf and crypto sorry has no one controlling the outcome and that's why it's so amazing are they gonna lock down on tax the tax element of it when you take it out of your block chain and put it in your bank account or maybe you'll need to have your you know your sin number or social security number when you register at you know a crypto platform in the future but some you do have to do it now but they just can't they just crypto is growing so fast that the government can't catch up a million there's a million new wallets registered every fucking day for bitcoin or ethereum or whatever right it's it's created a monster on its own that cannot be tamed they can do they can do a digital fucking currency but it's centralized that defeats the whole purpose of crypto what do you think about like kind of the comparison when it comes to like cryptos and NFTs? And it's like what phase they're both in. I mean, you think about NFTs still being in like phase one, but it's kind of encompassed just about all of the crypto phases as well when it comes to, oh, we've got this, we've had a crazy run up. Then we had all these um, like, you know, you had shit coins in crypto. And then a lot of these, I'm sure you're going to see a bunch of pump and dumps and NFTs, whether it be like the save the kids token that you saw a few months ago, just like just shit NFTs that tank. Uh, like what phase do you think we're kind of in? And like, what do you think about like the comparison of the two? I think it's a learning curve still on NFT. It's like I said earlier, it's a wild west. Hey fam, I'm Simone Boyce. I'm Danielle Robay. And we're the hosts of The Bright Side, a daily podcast from Hello Sunshine that's guaranteed to light up your day. Every weekday, we bring you conversations with the culture makers who inspire us. Like our recent episode with Hollywood royalty Regina and Raina King. We talked about the creative power of women's relationships. I feel like, thank God for women, like, especially when it comes to Black women, the way we lean on our mothers, our grandmothers, our sisters, our friends. We're just each other's pulse. I mean, it's molecular, you know? Listen to The Bright Side from Hello Sunshine on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. And because everyone is anonymous if they want to be there's a lot of sketch out there there's a lot of people pulling rugs and you know i think once we once we evolve the technology once it becomes more once more people know about it 
it those scammers, those whoever are trying to just make a quick buck are they'll be gone over time. But right now, because it's Wild West and it's so early, like Mark says, we're at the we're at the beginning of the first inning, or we're at the bottom of the first inning. Sorry, there's like I can't tell you where I think it's going to go. I think that it's just going to be more refined. Like it, it definitely still is the Wild West, and ninety five percent of the people in the world don't even know about it. Um, and once it, once the use case of those become more global and mainstream, then it's going to be like any other industry. Well, it'll be more controlled and you know tax implications. But right now, it's like. Now's the time to get into the game because it's so fucking exciting. Yeah. I just bought my first NFT uh, two months ago. Well, my only NFT two months ago. Uh, and, and I will say that, that even, I mean, I just tweeted out the, uh, with like a hashtag, like they're called goons. And I tweeted out like hashtag goon squad or something. And I mean, the community, as you were they're saying, nuts, dude. they're nuts. They're nuts. I mean, the only reason that I truly bought it was because he was smoking a cigar and had a stock on his hat. And uh, and like I said, I tweeted out, and they got like 2,000 followers from it. And uh, wow. and I mean, it was all like, dude, like, great to have you, great to have you. And I was like, this is, this feels like I'm going back to like, you know, like a fraternity party or something. <laughs> it's it's cool, man. The community is really big. The community loves what they do. Like I had one of my employees, he bought a cool cat two months ago for one ETH, and he just told me today it's worth 70 grand. Jeez. So it's, like, it's, it's wild, man. Jeez. Yeah, no, it's it's crazy to think about, especially when, you know, just a year ago, you would see that and you'd just be like, that is just a picture with nothing behind it. And, yeah. And now you, everyone knows more and, and it's just still just beginning. I mean, I was on a um, live space the other day with uh, John Wall talking about his NFT yeah, drop, uh, the baby ballers. And I had an idea. I was like, is there any way you could do like uh, like a Willy Wonka golden ticket in one where I'd either be like courtside tickets yeah. or a signed thing? Yeah, they do it a lot. Yeah, and stuff like that. Is there anything like good ideas that, you know, you don't, I don't want you to spoil any of your secrets, but like that you see entertainers, whether it be musicians or actors, it just becoming like a common thing? Yeah, like you asked me what I think. Like, you know, just uh, things that like giveaways or just shit you may see like in the NFT space, whether it be, hey, one of every hundred people that buy these will get a signed John Wall jersey or yeah. hey, whoever, you know, stuff like that. I, I think I think stuff like that will get a little bit more. I, I, I like it. I think I think you'll see a lot of these athletes and celebrities come into the game slowlier or quicker than they are right now, whatever, because they are coming pretty hot. Um, I think I think a lottery style game yeah. will be pretty fucking dope. Um, I'm not sure what the regulations are on that at this point. Even things like if you have an NFT, you get 50%. If you show us you have one of our NFTs, you get a 50% off anytime you come oh, here. Well, we're doing like we're doing a concert in the metaverse with a massive celebrity, a rapper, and you can only get in if you have this NFT, right? And there's, cool. there's certain clubs that you can only get into in the metaverse that are, you know, if you own a, a board eight, right, that you're paying six, seven figures for. It's a lot of it's exclusivity. It's like, you know, if you own this thing, you're part of that fucking club and yeah. you get perks. It's kind of because we are we are a stock podcast. Uh, it's kind of like AMC giving away shareholders, you know, get like a free popcorn. Uh, if you're like a shareholder of AMC, stuff like that. Just keeping your customers committed, right? You're giving them more value for why they invested in you. 
Yeah. I, I like the idea as a whole, just because I mean, it just gets more people involved in investing, whether it be NFTs, stocks or crypto. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you. I think I think it's it's all interconnected in some like every stocks, crypto, NFTs, like it's I think it's all the same family. Um, or maybe will be more so. But it's all yeah. interconnected. I, I saw an article recently that was criticizing some entertainers and some uh, athletes that were just getting into the NFT game for the money grab aspect. Mm-hmm. It, is there, I mean, obviously there's there's some downside, but is there any like true downside because oh, yeah. of Okay. Cause like, like, is it one of those things that you need to watch out for if you're, if you're trying oh, yeah. to get into the NFT space? Oh, yeah, can you, yeah. Can you touch on that? Sure. So I'll give you an example. Lil Uzi came into the game, right? Yeah. Hmm. And he's, and he sold this shit out and then he, and then he, they pulled the rug and everyone lost everything. Right. How do they pull a rug on an NFT? They don't fulfill their obligations. Right. So you uh, need a roadmap and people are buying your NFT cause there's, additional value or like maybe if you want a free concert to show or free backstage passes or little Uzi jerseys, whatever it is, right? Okay. So they're not fulfilling their obligations. Little Uzi came in with the mentality of a cash grab. Yeah. He made his money and got out and deleted all his content. The industry does not accept that shit. If you do that to the NFT community, you'll never be back in this space again. And that's what these guys will understand. Lil Uzi's like, wow, we made two, three million bucks. But he's just cost himself 30, 40, 50, 100 million in the next five years plus. Like, If you get into the community and you're a massive celebrity and you actually be part of the community... You're going to make more money than you do touring. The community is going to appreciate you hopping on early. They're going to be like, this isn't some guy just riding the bandwagon. He was here from day one, you know? Right. Like, you know, if they're in the clubhouses, if they're in, you know, on the discords, or they're on AMAs, like that's what the community wants to see. Are you posting that shit on your social? How behind are you with this project? And little Uzi shot the fucking bed. You shouldn't have done that. He probably, I don't know who the team was behind it, but I imagine... There were some complications. I don't think he knew what he was getting himself into, but he's yeah. not going back. I don't care how big you are. You're not going to get another second because wow. that never ends. It's all digital. It's all blockchain. Everything's reported. Is there is there red flags or there's just like, hey, I there's these obligations and they just weren't fulfilled and that's that. Like, is there anything that that as an, if I wanted to get into the game, you know, more seriously that I could watch out for? Uh, or is it just one of those things where like sometimes just people kind of like, get, Hey, fucked. maybe I should know Lil Uzi didn't know shit about his NFT project. Yeah. <laughs> That's the problem with, with the game because it's so, cause there's not that much regulation. It's like people are bad people. Like you, there's scammers and everything, but this is easy, much easier to scam your a community. Cause anonymous, you can be anonymous if you want. No one yeah. can trace you. You're, you're, you know, you're, you're, you're known by a code, an address, right? if you're even known by that, and people can switch their addresses every second of the day. That's the scary part of the game, man. I'm going to be honest with you. And you have that in every industry when it's a very, very hot industry and you can get away with, you know, robbing people. Like the thing is, if you get, let's just say you get hacked and they steal all your crypto, moving off from like kind of connecting back to why the NFTs are a little scary. If someone knows you own a lot of crypto, and they hack you and take your money. How the fuck are you going to get that back? No one has a clue who it is. It's decentralized, right? You can't, it's, it's like you can't... That's a pro to it, but that's also the con, right? And back to NFTs, 
I see people coming into their community. They make two, three million. They know they cannot fulfill the obligations of the roadmap and they used it to sell people on, on the hype of buying their NFTs. And they're anonymous and they just fucking disappear and take the two, three million and no one ever sees them again. That's just not, that's just like that. That has to be more, um, more focused on and more organized and more regulated because that could hurt. That's going to hurt the industry. And if some guy gets the rug pulled, like why is he going to buy another NFT? Yeah. It, it feels like investor fraud. Uh, over, yeah. I mean, like if that happened, you know, in the stock market, I mean, <laughs> they would be, Fine, jail, maybe, you yeah. know, something like that. I know stories of people just, you know, having like, you know, billionaire NFT guys are just getting, they're, they're getting held up, gun to the head, transfer the money, money's transferred. Now what? Wow. That's insane. That's a, it's That's a so scary fucking game, but it's so exciting and lucrative at the same time. But, you just gotta, you just gotta be right by the community and they'll take care of you. Like selling Coke in the 80s. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We're selling, let's put it this way, at NFT, our platform, we are selling crack and everyone else in the space has weed. <laughs> I'll tell you why. I'll tell you why. If you're a celebrity or anybody, you want to get into NFTs, what are you going to do? Uh, make your own, probably. Like, how are you going to get started? Talk oh, to I your mean, manager and be like, hey, I want NFTs. What are you going to do? Uh, shit, I don't know. I didn't think this far. I'll tell you what happens, okay? <laughs> so when, you know, Let's, for example, Rich the Kid is my boy. We did NFT. He goes to NFT. He goes to Instagram or Twitter or whatever. He types in the three letters. What do you see? You see NFT. Our concept. It's verified. You know what I mean? They actually, most people think we own NFT like it's our brand. We have a, we have a, we have a lockdown on the social aspect of NFT. And for us, it's like we give that back to the community. We post like all of our swipe up stories are free. We're selling people's 10,000 collections sometimes from a swipe up. So that's kind of what blew yeah, us you're, you're up. Yeah, you're the first step on the NFT roadmap. And if you don't go to us, where do you go? Yeah, but I, I don't fucking sure. know. And if you don't like, if you don't know about cryptocurrencies and blockchain, like crypto wallets and shit already, you are clueless in the whole. None of these celebrities do. Yeah, right? we get a thousand plus DMs a day on on Ad NFT, and I'm the business contact at JF, and I get a thousand plus uh, a day, and those are you know half the people are begging to pay you to be on your platform. Twenty five percent of them are just junk. They're just begging for free shit. And the other 25 are celebrities who want to get into the game. They don't know how. And they come here. They come to us. Like, we're going to be involved in NFT con. Um, and that's, oh, the, yeah. like, that's going to be the next level. Kind of like a complex con, but for NFTs. When is that? It hasn't been announced yet. That's, okay. Secret. Yeah, something works. Coming yeah, soon. It's secret now. <laughs> so, uh, kind of, I think my last question would be: If we wanted to get into the NFT space and not not even be a cash grab, it could even go all to charity, and we wanted to start selling our episodes as NFTs without promising extra shit behind it, and if they're released, to everyone, but you just own this one, is is there any reason they should buy that without providing any extra? You don't need to do anything. Like I'm doing Wiz Khalifa's drop. Uh, I think it's October 15th. And he just has fucking amazing content. Like he's got a great art with one of the best NFT artists in the world. That's enough. 
it's because of these PFP collections, the 10,000 collections, there's so many people that want to buy and there's so much competition. You have to provide a, a dope roadmap. If you're just going out and you have a very quality episode or a movie, people are going to buy it because of the quality, right? So the utility that I'm referring to of the roadmap is it's not like if a guy is going doing a one of one drop or a 10 of 10 drop, it's not, it's not even a thing. Like you don't need a roadmap unless you want to be really, really creative. Like if you own one of my 10 NFTs, you get something unbelievable, but you don't in that, in that environment, whether it be a show or a movie, et cetera, it's about the, it's about the quality of the content. Okay, if you bought the NFT for this episode, if you have any questions within the following month about that episode, you can ask us. Oh, man, we've done some shit with rappers. Like, you got to be a producer on their next song. You got to help write their next song and share in that in the public publishing rights. Like, you can do a lot of cool shit. Yeah, that. Yeah, I think I think the space, like you, you've been talking about, only has room to grow. And there's so many like the the amount of marketing ideas that you could potentially put in like shit like that is is just going to it's going to blow up i think it's going to be awesome i hope so <laughs> <laughs> hey man well if it doesn't yeah, behind uh, it. <laughs> <laughs> all right well uh i really appreciate you coming on if uh hugh you don't have anything no i mean uh just what are some of your favorite projects claylings i fucking love claylings they're the coolest little fuckers out there I, I, wait, can I show you my NFT and see if you've ever seen it? Sure. Or Wait, have you ever heard of the goons? Yeah, I, died. I have heard of the goons. I don't remember the context behind it, but I have heard of the goons. Let me see it, and I'll tell you. Let's go. He's a, he's a good look. Oh, wait. First off, I was gifted this guy, a dick. <laughs> Is that D's nuts? Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, I was gifted that guy, and then uh, this is my little guy. Yeah, I've seen those. Those are cool. Those are dope. Yeah. Yeah, like I said, cigar in stock. That's the reason yeah, I own it. Playlings, guys, playlings. That's the next fucking crypto punk. That's the next board age. Playlings are so fucking cool. Well, I'll buy a bunch of those before we I drop the episode. <laughs> yeah, I own a bunch of those guys. I'm really behind that one. Okay, playlings, and then uh, and then <laughs> you know you mentioned with Cleef, you mentioned a few others. Uh, who who are you most excited about their their drop upcoming? I mean, Wiz is going to be fucking amazing. I, I would say. This week, Tarzan, the real Tarzan, if you know the real Tarzan, um, he has a great NFT with amazing utility. Like, you have warriors battling each other, and it's pretty cool. I'm really excited about that. And Little Baby's got his first one coming. So, I'm excited about that one. Yeah. Awesome. When I remember we're just watching the NFL on Sunday, and you know how they have like the, uh, the cartoon looking versions of everyone they make a play or some shit comes up, and they're like, why do they have that? I was like, I don't know, but they, if they sold that as an NFT, like as the NFL's official NFTs, oh my God, those would... Game over. Yeah, yeah. so but much like, Not enough people understand the game yet. Uh, Visa bought a CryptoPunk, but they just want to stay relevant. Do they understand the game? Probably not. All right, man. Well, like I said, really appreciate you coming on and uh, looking I'd forward like to that. talking again soon, awesome. man. Yeah, likewise. And if you have any NFT questions, you know where to find me, at JF. Let's get it. All right, and everyone, make sure you go follow at NFT on uh, Instagram. This is Project with uh, Mark Cuban. Let's do it. All right, guys. Great talking. Hey, thanks for coming on, man. My pleasure. My pleasure. Peace. Yeah.
Hi there, I'm Bob Pittman, Chairman and CEO of iHeartMedia. I'm excited to announce a new season of my podcast, Math & Magic, Stories from the Frontiers of Marketing. Our guests this season show us big risk can yield big rewards, like Rob Riley, the creative head of one of the world's leading advertising firms. I try to create environments where anybody can say anything without any judgment. Listen to a brand new season of Math & Magic on our very own iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast or wherever you get your podcast. Hi, this is Kurt Woodsmith. You remember me from such TV comedies as That 70s Show and That 90s Show on Netflix. I'll never forget the words that my grandfather said just before he kicked the bucket. He said, watch how far I can kick this bucket. People ask me where I get my dad jokes from. I tell them to listen to the Daily Dad Jokes podcast. Listen to Daily Dad Jokes every day on the iHeartRadio app. Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.